0: Channel's Morning News, this is Dave Ross with Heather Bosch, who's in for Colleen O'Brien, and joining us is the moderator of Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan. That was a, a strange uh, event yesterday uh, at the White House where the president called in reporters to explain that those uh, other balloons were not Chinese and then left without taking questions. What was behind that?
1: Well, I mean, the president seemed to be walking out because he couldn't hear um, questions since one reporter was shouting over the other and then called the NBC reporter um, after the fact to answer some of those questions. But that that chaos at the end of his remarks, um, just one part of the story and what the president did present was uh, a picture that remains very unclear, saying that U.S. intelligence has determined three of the objects that the U.S. military shot down in recent days were not linked, according to U.S. assessments, to state-run espionage efforts. But the Chinese surveillance balloon was confirmed to be exactly what they assessed. That is a mechanism to suck up information on sensitive sites on the U.S. mainland uh, by Beijing. Uh, So the president was trying to, in disclosing this, quiet some concerns from members of Congress who have publicly said not enough information is being shared, uh, but also sort of try to lower uh, tension with Beijing. He said he will speak to Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, about it. Doesn't apologize for shooting down that confirmed aerial surveillance. But it's an embarrassment to say that the U.S. uh, wasn't aware that these slow moving objects at, you know, 60,000, 40,000 feet were undetected or at least when they were detected, not deemed to be a threat for years prior.
0: And nobody has stepped forward to say, oh, this was our experimental balloon?
1: For those three balloons or (laughs) objects, we should say, that were shot down, uh, that hasn't been Um, declared by the U.S. government. There are reports, and you can Google them, um, from local, you know, sort of academic groups saying it might have been our uh, research balloon put up. And and the U.S. government, I mean, from the White House podium, they have said from the get-go that that this could be linked to academic research. It could be linked to a corporation. You know, one of the objects shot down uh, over Alaska was nearby a very important oil field uh so there are other potential actors who may have put up these objects but the u.s government hasn't declared yet uh who they belong to exactly
0: and is there any whispering around the Capitol on what it might
1: be in terms of the three that were shot down it was um there's certainly a lot of frustration on the Capitol, frankly. I mean, the, the Republican leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, said during an interview on another network yesterday that the classified briefing they had received the day prior was one of the least satisfying and least illuminating he had ever received. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, if that's what's being shared in the classified setting, it suggests it, they're not necessarily um, able to disclose much, um, maybe because they don't know
0: wow. just yet. So they were really caught by surprise.
1: Certainly sounds like it. Um, according to, uh, you know, Pentagon officials, they kind of took the filters off the radars because they were actively looking for this surveillance program after U.S. intelligence. Discovered this um, Chinese uh, espionage effort, this this aerial surveillance program existed. Uh, so they began actively looking for it. But there is the possibility um, that China has been able to float these balloons over U.S. airspace undetected for years. Now, there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal today that says the four prior the incidents, three happening on the Trump administration's watch, uh, went over states like Virginia and other naval bases in the united states out in california as well and that trump officials had just been briefed yesterday by the current administration uh, and that it was explained that the pentagon officials who detected those objects at the time just didn't report it up the chain of command because they weren't sure what it was so it wasn't raised to the boss until those uh, lower level officials officials had figured it out and apparently that was only just figured out this year
0: wow So speaking of the uh, potential threat from China, I hear that there is something called a disruptive technology strike force. Can you explain what that is?
1: Yes, this is a Justice Department announcement um, that was made yesterday. uh, And this gets at the the heart of one of the chief concerns for many uh, China hawks, um, Democrats and Republicans, that China is using its technology and technology companies to uh, collect data, to conduct surveillance, to undercut American dominance, not just in uh, a competitive space in a business way, but to actually conduct surveillance and do things that can hurt American national security uh, and surveil Americans themselves, potentially. So this task force is being put together as a joint effort by the Commerce Department and the Justice Department to actively counter any threat there. Um, and it would involve looking into a number of different things. And the, the Biden administration is also, for the first time, indicating it will Uh, potentially restrict U.S. investment in Chinese companies uh, so that Americans aren't unintentionally funding things that help China's military state. So it it really is an indication that this conflict with Beijing is already underway in the business and technology space. President Biden said he doesn't want this to become a Cold War and certainly isn't seeking military conflict. But make no mistake, there is an increased aggressiveness by Beijing and here in Washington, to counter those efforts.
0: Well, every private Chinese company, as I understand it, ultimately is controlled by the government, isn't it? Uh,
1: The question is exactly how linked are they, right? Not whether or not they are in the Mm -hmm. first place. Um, Under uh, the laws enacted by Xi Jinping, the current president, there are these expectations that the Chinese state has a right to what any corporation, Chinese corporation, is doing. The FBI yesterday, their director, disclosed that um, in 2022, American companies doing business in China were forced to download accounting software that was a backdoor to Chinese hackers, that it was literally in order to do business in China, you had to uh, be willing to not just have your intellectual property stolen, but to uh, basically roll over um, to surveillance. Yeah. Chris Ray disclosed this in a speech yesterday. It was it was pretty stunning. And he's been a a China hawk for some time. Previously has announced that here in the United States, he opens an investigation into Chinese espionage on U.S. soil every 12 hours. So this is a very hot space that is only now getting a lot of attention.
0: Well, no wonder they're eating our lunch, to quote a certain former president.
1: Look, there's there's a lot of concern that's common between the last president and the current one when it comes to China. Stylistically different, but a lot of the policies are similar. Uh, the Biden administration still has not lifted those Trump-era tariffs on China.
0: The moderator of Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan. Margaret, thank you. Thank you. In the nation's northwest corner. Is Washington Our and resident historian Felix Bunnell right. joins us now for All Over the Map, which is a quick look at the stories behind local places and things. Yes, an unabashedly educational feature. <laughs> this week, <laughs> Dateline Lower Queen Anne, also known these days as Uptown, <laughs> uh, a name that, as far as I can tell nobody uses. The Pacific Science Center is considering uh, swapping out one of its iconic 1962 reflecting pools by replacing it with an
2: artificial meadow, Felix? I know, and it's. I checked the calendar. It's not April 1st, Dave. Um, now, I would guess 99% of the people tuned in right now know exactly what we're talking about when we say the reflecting pools of the Pacific Science Center. Along with the Space Needle, the Monorail, the International Fountain, even the old Coliseum Roof Line at Climate Pledge Arena, those pools and the arches over them are among the most recognizable historic landmarks from that 62 World's Fair, as well as the last 60 years of the Seattle Center's existence. So everyone's with me so far, right? Yes. Now, it turns out those big pools are leaking. Not unusual for something that, that, that large and that old. Uh, Pacific Science Center staff and consultants made a presentation to the Seattle Landmarks Preservation Board on Wednesday. The Science Center is a city landmark, and that board must approve any changes to the facility. Now, they showed pictures of what they say are the original pumps and original plumbing for the pools and the fountains that go back to 1962. Now, get this. They said the whole thing leaks or evaporates about 76,000 gallons of water a day. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. That adds up to about 26 million gallons a year. That's a lot of water. Yeah. And they replace it all with tap water at the cost of about $175,000 a year. Yeah. All where's right. all that water going? You know, evaporation and in into the ground there, but, probably into Elliott Bay, ultimately. I um, see. Okay. Now, Science Center CEO Will Doherty. He told the Landmarks Board that fixing all the leaks and updating the pumps and doing some basic cosmetic restoration will cost only $17 million. Now, he said this vital maintenance, uh, which those beloved pools need, well, it's apparently not sexy enough for the Science Center fundraising staff. It'd be
3: really hard to raise $17 million to keep it as is. The public is telling us, the broader public is telling us, they want the Science Center to evolve. And where the investment comes from is in that evolution. So the best way to get the imperative work done may also be to embrace this future-looking work.
2: Let me define a couple terms there. Uh, The imperative work, which the Science Center also describes as the do-nothing option, quote-unquote, is actually restoration of that historic landmark, you know, fixing the leaks... Restoring the terrazzo services around the edges, upgrading all that uh, original equipment. And the quote-unquote future-looking work means fixing the leaks, and then a few variations on filling in the South Pool with dirt and native plants to create an artificial meadow. I see. Yeah. Now, let me point out here, the pools in the courtyard are part of the original design of what was called the United States Science Pavilion during the fair. It was the heart and the soul of the t- Century 21 Science-Centered Fair. And, you know, $12 million came from the federal government, and that really kickstarted the fair and, and built that building. And it was designed by Seattle-born japanese American. American architect, Minoru Yamasaki, who also designed the IBM building, Rainier Tower down there at Rainier Center, and the World Trade Center, among other notable buildings. It was designated a landmark in 2010. Now, those pools and the plaza there, I think it's one of the most elegant and distinctive public spaces Seattle has ever had in its entire history. I mean, it's just, it's... It's beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous, and it's its its amazing. Now, name another place that even comes close. I can't. And it seems like that $17 million, if packaged properly for what it is, this would be, you know sold as preserving a beloved and sacrosanct space for future generations. That might be an easier sell than calling it the $17 million do-nothing option. That's my opinion. Um, (laughs) Now, this and similar sentiments have been expressed by many people in the historic preservation community in the past few days, including Eugenia Wu of Historic Seattle.
1: Would you change the reflecting pool on the National Mall in (laughs) D.C.? You know... No, I don't think so. Um, so I, why would you do that here? I, it just sort of, it doesn't, I mean, they could probably use the same
0: <laughs> reasons.
2: You know, this process has been uh, underway apparently since sometime last year. It's unclear what comes next or when the Science Center will come back to the Landmarks Board with refinements to their proposal. Again, they do need that board's approval to do anything down there at the Science Center. Um, to get more details, I reached out to the Seattle Center or Seattle Science Center's media relations person and sent multiple emails starting back on Wednesday, and they haven't gotten back to me yet. No. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, tell them about that guy on TV who sells that waterproof tape. You know,
2: you can slap that on anything and nothing leaks. Have or, you seen that? Any one of our fine plumbing sponsors should probably get down there and do the work. That's but what I'm thinking. All, all I want to say is don't make me come over there and start hunting for gargoyles. That's, that's <laughs> what we don't want this
4: to come oh, to. Oh, no, no, no. Well, well, question for you. Who is this broader public that wants this to, quote, unquote, evolve? I mean, I, I most of the people I talk to like it the way it is. You know,
2: I posted some stuff on social media last night, a Twitter poll, which is running about 70% in favor of restoring the original. Yeah. And on But on Facebook, some several people, I'd say 30% of people have said, well, why not update it a little bit? It yeah. could it could use some spiffing up. By, by, by filling it with dirt? Yeah, but it, I think it's such not a gorgeous... Dirt. It's, <laughs> it's a meadow. Yeah, dirt. Gonna, or half, we could compromise. Just make it a mud pit. <laughs> and there you
0: go. Okay. <laughs> Felix Bunnell, all his features at MyNorthwest.com. Friday morning, wet weather, which should end after 10, Nick says. And in Olympia, it appears we have an 11th hour compromise on a police pursuit bill. This sounds like a pretty big deal. Let's go live to Cairo News Radio's Matt Markovich. Matt.
5: Well, clearly, it's the most controversial topic so far in the first 40 days of this legislative session, and it's a big day today, Dave. It's a cutoff day for bills. You know, make it. Think of it like the NCAA basketball tournament, where mm-hmm. you had 64 teams in the first round. We just finishing up the 64 teams, and after today, there's going to be down to 32. So, uh, a lot of effort. bills you know we'll be dying today and then we will move on to the fiscal period you know when bills need to be spent we need money behind it that's what they're going to be talking about doing the heavy lifting going forward yes we're talking about the police pursuit bill so yesterday a very important vote out of a committee in the house the only police police pursuit bill left it had to basically 11th hour it had to pass before today and so they came up with a compromise it's actually a compromise that was presented in a in a regular bill format a year ago, and so they just re-racked it, Uh, uh, Roger Goodman, the author of the compromise, um, and basically it it, it says this, that police can now use what's known as reasonable suspicion, a lower standard to pursuit, but only in specific cases of a violent offense when they believe there's been a violent offense occurring, a sex offense, a vehicular assault like a road rage, someone bashed another person's car, Mm -hmm. an assault. Uh, involving domestic violence only. And there's always been driving under the influence. So that's it. A officer can only go after that. And there's a two-year sunset clause on this, which uh, expires in two years. And basically that's to allow another bill that made made it through – of studying this whole issue for either to the end of next year or another 18 months. Uh, Now, Democrat, like I said, Democrat Representative Roger Goodman authored the compromise and is the chair of the committee that voted to pass the compromise.
0: I have heard many voices, and there's been a lot of dissonance uh, in those voices. And so I've attempted to limit the scope of this bill, but also to keep the conversation going. Does this include going after car thieves?
5: No. 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 Car theft? You point to the guy and say, That's, that guy stealing my SUV right there? Can't do it. Sorry. That's not enough. Uh, so they're not going to do that. Um, he did When he talked about dissonance, he's actually talking about his own party. Uh, people were upset, but like Democratic Representative Tara Simmons uh, from Bremerton, who herself is a convicted felon uh, before she became a lawmaker.
1: I represent a district, and even though I might personally not want to vote for this policy, I think my community wants me to, so it's really hard.
5: And there's Democratic Representative Dara Farvar.
1: This is this is really hard for me today. The law, I believe, very clearly states that pursuits in these situations are allowable. And I really fear that today we are choosing politics over individuals.
5: And Republican Representative Jenny Graham of Spokane says people in our state are just getting used to not following the law because they can get away with it.
1: We have to have laws that everybody follows. Otherwise, we get what we have right now.
5: And so what you had was an 8-1 vote, a lone democrat voting against it. Republicans mm. are for any kind of uh improving on the uh, the pursuit bill so they're giving police more opportunities to chase down bad guys. Um I asked the governor during his p- bi-monthly press available availability if he wants to change the pursuit law.
6: I am quite willing to accept some changes in those rules to open up in certain circumstances where officers can have flexibility to do pursuits. I think that is the right approach, but obviously I can't sign a bill that doesn't get to my desk.
0: Th- this is significant movement. So this passed 8 to 1 uh, in a committee that's under Democratic control, huh?
6: Correct.
5: And the Democrats are the ones who were going to go against it. Yeah. Uh, They—that's the ones. Who, those are the ones who are wrestling with... Keeping it the way it is because they believe it's a cutting down on innocent lives being killed during a police pursuit. To be fair,
4: Matt, this doesn't sound like that significantly different from the way the law stands now, where it sounds like a very subtle difference going from probable cause to just, you know, what the...
5: In the police eyes, it is a big difference. A probable cause means that you need to have some form of third-party evidence to pull somebody over, like a license plate number or you know, a real specific description of a car. But when it's uh, reasonable suspicion, you can be in the neighborhood and heard about that there was a, an assault, uh, 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 and then a guy got away in a dark car. Uh, you can pull them over now before you couldn't do this if this law passed and this has so got a long way to go here.
4: yeah so you think this really will give police more tools out in the real world than they had before
5: Right now, it will uh, t- just for these specific laws. But there's so many other things that police pull people over for. So, what's the reality here? I mean, it's basically think of it as a political punt down the field. They they, they basically kept it alive with some sort of compromise. They didn't kick it out of bounds. The ball's still in play. <laughs> now it's going to go to the house. It's got to go to the Senate, where it's already got some uh, opposition. Uh, so, but the, and the governor is asking for something. So he basically said, you know. That's when he said, "I need something on my desk." He wants to have some sort of something to sign. And that, well, he knows, who knows that people if that's are really going to happen. He knows
0: that people are worried, right? I mean, they, absolutely, you got to do something to to address these these crimes. Uh, people absolutely,
5: doing, but the big, the big, the big thing is uh, the this is a study. They're saying, saying, everyone has disagreements on it. We need to study it for 18 months. And the question is whether we keep what we have right now, which police do not like, or have some sort of compromise, and this is a compromise. Okay, what about the governor's housing levy? Yes. Uh, he had his press availability yesterday, so guys like me show up in his conference room and ask him questions on whatever. And then first thing he said, he didn't ask, take a question. He just went right into pushing his $4 billion housing levy. And I heard his in his comments what sounded like a beginning of a campaign slogan.
6: I am encouraging legislators uh, to go big, not just to go big to go home. We need people uh, to say we need to go big so that people can go home.
5: Go big so people okay. can go home. So that you know, this is going to go it's to a vote catchy. of the go to the vote of the people, and that could be the campaign slogan. Uh, it's four billion dollars. That's pretty big, um, you know, and also. Uh, Seattle. I asked him uh, about what this discrepancy with the Seattle King County uh, Regional Homelessness Authority, where they're basically saying we can't move people into off the highways because of a contract issue with the state, right. move them off the highways and into temporary shelter, which is there's 22 percent openings in the state uh King County. Uh, so I asked the governor. Here's the tail end of my question about. What does he mean by the proviso? Can 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 the state move people into temporary housing rather than permanent housing, as the King County Authority says? Are people supposed to go into permanent housing and not into temporary housing that's
6: available? Well, no. I don't believe that that proviso uh, prohibited the use of congregate shelters. That encampment under the I five bridge right now by the ship canal totally unacceptable in the state of Washington. That needs to to end as soon as humanly possible. Congregate shelter possible under that provisal they're not eliminated by that provisal but we, we try to aim high up to the tree as, as high as we can wow so he
0: says the county housing authority has completely misinterpreted
6: that law
5: correct and then but also in the, his answer he said we need to get rid of that camp that camp has yeah. been there forever i mean more than a couple of years it comes and goes and it's been problematic we just had a death there there was a fire there
0: whose call week- is that matt on giving the final order to remove it Who's calling that? Who, that's who? the
5: state of Washington. So, that's their land. Well,
0: then it's going to go. Then I mean, he's the chief executive officer of the state of Washington.
5: Well, that's why I ran that soundbite because yeah. now he was on the record saying we got, it's got to go now, and and he hasn't said something like that that dramatic no. about that specific camp. So we're going to see. You know, um, one last thing. Like, well, I guess I'm running out of time here. So um, I did ask the governor where people along the highway should go. Maybe we'll play that too.
0: All right, uh, let's see. I don't think I have... Do do I have that one?
5: Oh, okay, sorry. Then I thought, um, my mistake, my mistake. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, but again he he's going to go on the record about this homelessness. Now, uh, from my understanding, yesterday they had the governor the governing board meeting with the Homeless Authority, and Mark Dones, the CEO, kind of started backtracking on his statement that we can't mm-hmm. move people into temporary housing. Well, so keep us
0: up to date on that, because uh, that sounded like a pretty definitive statement to me. It sure did to All me, right. too.
4: An Arkansas UPS driver's kindness delivered exactly what one woman needed, and she may have helped him more than he helped her. THV 11's Ian Russell has your daily dose of kindness brought to you by Heritage Homecraft.
7: No matter how many miles traveled or deliveries made, you'll never hear Frederick Stevens complain about what he does.
6: Meeting people talking, interacting with people. Because if
7: you love what you do, you really never do work a day in your life.
6: People used to ask me, why do you wave at everybody you pass? I said, it's just that old country mentality. You driving down the highway, you just wave.
7: But even the best jobs come with hard days. Stevens has seen a few himself. Because it was a real heavy day. I was running behind. And on this day, it wasn't just packages he delivered, but kindness as well. On a quick break during a busy shift, he says a woman came up to his truck.
6: This elderly lady pulled up. She gave me a card. She said, how far am I away from this place right here? She said... I don't know where I'm at. She said, can you help me?
7: That card was her driver's license. That place, her home. She just left the bank, and while Stevens had never met her before, he knew one thing. She said, some just told me that you was a good man, so can you help me? He had to help. A quick call to 911 and another to his niece with the police department to make sure an officer came to help. A post on Facebook to see if anybody knew the woman. And even a call to her church to make sure someone knew where she was.
6: I just couldn't leave her there. Especially when she told she gave me all her information. She gave me her address. She told me her, she had just left the bank.
7: After she ended up safe and sound, Stevens took it a step yeah. further. He even went to her church one Sunday to make sure she was still doing all right. Why not? I mean it's just it's a thing to just want to make sure she was okay. Because for Stevens there really hasn't been a bad day in his thirty-four years on the job. <laughs> Just another opportunity to deliver a smile.
6: You wasn't putting it in this world just for you.
7: He was putting in this world for other people. In Little Rock, Ian Russell, THB 11 News.
0: 747. And now, from the Jim Ursula Show, it starts at 9 o'clock. Mm. Here is G. Scott. Yeah. So are you as freaked out by uh, all the artificial intelligence as everybody else? No. Latest thing is that the, the somebody had chat GBT write a sermon, which the, uh, the minister delivered, and the
8: congregation actually liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it tracks. And what I mean by that, and the reason why I'm not so concerned about uh, this whole chat deal that everybody's starting to use, is because there's not that many leaders in this world anyways. There's not a lot of people that come to their own opinions. This is why people watch TV and news and all the time and they want to hear what this person said and when that person said it, they go ahead and take that information and then they use it for themselves. There's not a lot of people that think for themselves. So in the case of sermons and things, hey, there have been times that I've been sitting in the pew and the pastor has come out and said, last night the Lord was talking to me, and I am been sent here to tell you. Didn't nobody think that was weird? <laughs> no. I guess so not. why am I going to be upset about a, a pastor and or a priest getting their sermon from hmm. in, in this a situation? Go ahead, give me a good sermon, brother.
0: Well, well, well because Chat GPT, as far as I know, is not the Lord. See. So how if, do we how do we know it isn't manipul- being
8: manipulated by Satan? Oh, well. Would it, would it? How did the pastors get their sermons in the past, bro?
4: Or manipulated by God? To be fair, yeah,
0: well, I mean, it could be. That's true. I mean, if God can do anything, he can certainly manipulate the. T- maybe you think maybe this is His way now, speaking to more people.
8: I don't know. I'm just trying to say that um, I if if a pastor uh, stood before me and mm-hmm. gave me a good sermon, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. I'm going to be sitting there enjoying the sermon. And then if afterwards I find out that that pastor got the sermon from a generated uh, form to where they were given to them, mm-hmm. I'm still going to say that pastor still did an amazing job. Cause it spoke to you because it spoke to so me. So that's what I see.
0: So all that matters is how it, is How the listener perceives it. And so the source doesn't matter.
8: Right. Let me, let's go down another road, another path on this topic. Um, Recipes. Have you ever gotten a recipe from your uh, someone in your family? Mm-hmm. And then you try to make that recipe, and for some reason, it does not taste like. Right. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean.
4: Absolutely.
8: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. We've yeah. all had that. So what I'm saying is, is even though someone goes and tried to get a sermon from the uh, what was it called? Chat, Chat GBT. Chat. G- yeah. Chat. What? How do you not know this? You <laughs> haven't used it yet. No, I have not used Good it for you. But what I'm saying is, is if they go and get that sermon from that, right? Yeah. They still have to deliver the sermon.
4: It's all in the interpretation. Right. Oh, I see.
8: It's the delivery that matters. It, it is. It's all in the delivery, right? It's it, Back in sales, when I used to be in sales years ago, we used to always say, it's the sizzle and not the steak, mm-hmm. right? And so when they come to the table, you're at a restaurant, and they, come on now, they bring them fajitas, and you're at a, and you're at a restaurant, and they bring them fajitas, and you see them next to you, and it's sizzling. Sizzling. Yes. And you're like, oh, Lord, mm. oh, Lord. You, you don't get like that when guacamole and the nachos come. You know what I mean? <laughs> you get like that when the fajitas come. It's the sizzle and not the steak. Hmm. Well, good.
0: I think that's a good rational perspective because people are sort of freaking out about this. The, uh, I draw the line where they put these machines in charge of something that can do damage. Like when the Defense Department gets a hold of it and says, okay, we're going to now automate our missile system. Then I get worried.
4: Aren't drones kind of painfully close to that though? <laughs> a little
0: bit, but there's usually a human being. <laughs> okay. and, and even and even they make mistakes as we True. know.
4: Even
8: time. even, but how about what we do for a living, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like James, who I love to death, he tells me, "Hey, you're going to be going on with Jane, with uh, with Dave and Colleen, and when this time it's Mickey and it's Heather. This is what you guys are going to talk about, right?" Mm-hmm. Usually, when I get ready to leave, James is shaking his head because I did absolutely nothing that he said that we would talk about, right? Our jobs, we get the news, and it is the job for Heather Bosch usually every day or Colleen O'Brien they give the news. And then people like me come on after you guys and just butcher and just give my opinions and talk about it in different ways and below the surface and above the surface. You are the sizzle.
1: It's the sizzle, sizzle. baby.
8: Yes. If you listen if you listen at home, you're not gonna forget that today it's the sizzle and not the steak.
1: Can I use that with my professor <laughs> if he says, "Mickey, I, I checked your paper and uh, I'm going to say, listen, it's the sizzle baby." I mean, <laughs> because we are not a, we we got an email that said we are absolutely forbidden to use any type of chat or uh, you know, intelligence yeah. well, sure. to write our papers. Right. And so I'm I'm taking a lot of heavily written courses right now.
8: Dear professors. Mm-hmm. I think that that has been our problem in this country for so many years. They're always making us write things, write things, write things. When reality is, here's the truth. The better you are with people, the better you are able to articulate your words and talk to folks, whether in that meeting or in that conference, right? Uh The better things are going to be. I've never, you don't get the job by writing an essay, you get the job by do, doing very well in that interview. So I'm saying to professors today, stop making us write papers. Make us come in there and give the presentation. You will have better That's, students. What is this writing that is, stuff? That is very
0: interesting because I was an English major and I and and the one thing I'll never forget is um I I up. we were supposed to read our papers yeah. to the class, right? And the professor said, "You know, that sounds a lot better with you reading it than when I read it originally. And that's how I got through English class, was by reading the papers, not just handing them in.
8: Yeah. I. I every time the, the teacher, when I was younger, when they want to call on someone to come and read. I was always first. I always wanted to read in front of the class. I always. But when it comes to writing the papers... Snooze fest? Come on, like this. What are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I can say it better than I can write it. Yep. He has just struck a dagger into the heart
0: of academia.
6: G <laughs> Scott, no I'm using that. Today.
5: Sizzle, the
0: Seattle's morning news. This is Dave Ross with Heather Bosch, who's in for Colleen O'Brien, and from Seattle Sports 710. Here is Mike Sock. To uh, talk about the the uh, opening of uh, spring training and the Mariners' prospects. Now, I, I don't follow baseball that closely, but uh, Philadelphia played Houston in the World Series, right? True. Houston won. Yes. But Philadelphia got to the World Series winning... Eighty seven games. Yeah. Fewer games than the
9: Mariners did last year. Yeah. They were a wild card team and they just kind of got hot in the postseason, beat a couple teams. And the next thing you know, they were in the World Series. That's a lot of it,
4: isn't it? When you peak. Absolutely.
9: Yeah. I mean, when when are you playing your best baseball? Right. Who's built for the postseason? And let's be real there's a little bit of luck about it, right? I mean, like, that's kind of the way baseball is. Over 162 games, the luck sorts itself out, and generally the best teams make the playoffs. Over three games, five games, seven games in a playoff series – that luck has a much bigger chance of of factoring in. So, you know, the goal is to get there and to give yourself a really good chance once you're there. And I think the Mariners are setting themselves up for a pretty good run at that again. Uh,
4: Okay, so what's our chance? We were all so excited after the success last year, breaking the 21-year season drought yep. getting to the playoffs so much fun this team is so much fun to watch um what are we looking forward to can we keep that up
9: yeah i don't see any reason they can't i mean the if, if you're if you're down on the mariners chances this year the one thing you're pointing at is that all of last year their starting pitchers were 100 percent healthy the same guys took every turn in the rotation and that is unlikely to happen again Hmm. If you are bullish on the Mariners' chances, you know that they go into spring training with six legitimate starting pitchers, one more than they need, and a couple of guys who will probably start in the minor leagues who are pretty good candidates to come up and help right away, a kid named Bryce Miller being chief among them. And so they have sort of built their staff to be ready for some of the inevitable injuries that will likely occur they've also made a couple of additions they got better in right field they brought in this guy Teoscar Hernandez who I think everyone's going to like a lot he is built like a rock he can really hit and he's got some power and they upgraded at second base with another new player named Colton Wong who's been a pretty good pretty good second baseman for years both in St. Louis and then in Milwaukee he's a really interesting story he um He's from Hawaii. He got called up for the first time in the playoffs for St. Louis. He had never played in the regular season. Got called up for the playoffs in 2013. Got inserted into the World Series and got a hit. Was one for one. He was riding high. And then the next game he was brought in as a pinch runner in the ninth inning. Got picked off first base to end a World Series game. Ouch. <laughs> Brutal. And I didn't know that I was there at the moment. I was there yeah. for that game, but I didn't know. He said afterwards it took him a couple of years before he fully recovered really? from that moment and had all of his, his confidence back. Hey, you get to the major leagues and the first thing that happens is you get embarrassed like that in front of the whole world. Yeah. It's a confidence game. And he got through the other side of it and has now been a really, uh, really good player and and a really mature. So he's seasoned. Very much so. And, you know, it's funny. We talk about that a lot in baseball. The the idea of learning to handle and, and deal with failure. That's what that game is all about. It's not like football. It's a different kind of game, right? If you go one for three, you're a, you're a Hall of Famer every night, right? Yeah, right? But you've also gotten out more than you've gotten on base. You've so. got,
4: got to have a lot of patience baked into this as players and as fans. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, because you, you don't win
9: 162. Absolutely. If you've had a great season and you win 100 games, which would be an unbelievable season for the Mariners. They'll lose 62.
4: Yeah, we right? won 116 one year, and we still <laughs> didn't go to the World Series. That's exactly right. So, my friend, yes. is that possible this year?
9: Uh, to win 116? That <laughs> would surprise me. Uh, but can they win 95 yeah, I think they could win ninety five games this year. They got a real, you know, got one of the best rotations in baseball, and an upgraded, an upgraded lineup, and you know, some guy named Julio that I'm sure you guys have heard of.
4: I was just going to ask you about Julio, our friend. Uh, is he still going to be hot? I mean, the Mariners are counting on this, but what do you? What's your gut?
9: Well, uh, we were looking today. Julio's odds to win the American League MVP were the fourth highest. So, I mean, I would say that, you know, there's a lot riding on this kid. They gave him a gigantic contract. And he's one of the most talented people in the entire game. So, he does sky's seem, the limit.
4: Yeah, he does seem to have that confidence. You know, I, I get almost a griffy vibe from him. Like, he's really enjoying it, but also that confidence yeah. when he steps up to the plate. Well,
9: And he deserves to, because every time he steps up to the plate, he's a threat to do something incredible. And, you know, his numbers, not just last year, but throughout his minor league career, are... They're superb. They really are. So are we still stuck in the same division with Houston? Yes, that hasn't changed. Hmm, Now, Houston did not really make themselves much better. I mean, they lost the Cy Young Award winner, Justin Verlander, who was there for uh, however many years. He's moved on. He went to to the National League. So he's gone. They didn't really make a lot of additions. I mean, they brought in this this first baseman named Abreu, who's okay. But they didn't didn't get much better, which hopefully is a good thing for the Mariners.
4: To our credit, we really could have pulled off any of those games that we lost by nail biters we really it was not it was not a wipeout, right could have wasn't a shutout could have but didn't
9: right i mean that's just sort of the way (laughs) baseball works and ultimately you know they were one run better in each of those games and you know over the course of 162 games they were 16 wins better than the mariners were a year ago so you got a little bit of a gap to make up however you've improved your hitting your lineup you're going to have julio now back for a second season and last year started off a little rocky so hopefully now you get a full season of julio doing what he did in the second half of last year you got some of your young pitchers who came on at the end of last year like kirby and gilbert they're going to be here now for an entire season and if you remember the biggest thing the mariners did last year in july they traded for luis castillo who is now the race and you only had him for two months. Last year, he was unbelievable in the playoffs. If you remember, just a dominating performance in, in uh, Toronto. Now you get Luis Castillo for six months instead of two months. That is an enormous, enormous difference for this team. Do any of the rule changes benefit mm. the Mariners? I'm going to guess that somebody in all 30 cities is saying that, right? <laughs> but the rule changes may Right? They've got some guys who are fast, and I think speed, there'll be a little bit more of a premium on speed in it's, this it's game. It's easier to steal a base now, It'll right? be easier to steal bases between the uh, the limited number of pickoffs and the slightly larger bases, which eliminates some of the distance between them. So, yeah, guys like Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty who can steal a base, Julio, they'll be a little bit more valuable. But I- I'm going to guess every team is going to have that kind of argument. Mike Sox, Seattle Sports 710. Thank you, Mike. See you guys seattle's morning
0: news 834 you may not have seen it before but it's probably seen you a search engine using facial recognition artificial intelligence car news radio sam campbell's been looking into the website called pim eyes as with a slide to explain this so what does this do and why
10: should it bother us dave on pim eyes you can upload your photo And the artificial intelligence will analyze your face and then find other places it appears across the Internet. It's a reverse image search, but it's not like Google's reverse image search. With their tool, you can enter in a photo in the search box to find where that exact image appears, but with PIM eyes you'll get results of tons of different photos, maybe photos you didn't know were on the Internet from URLs you don't know.
0: So suppose you don't like where your image is showing up. Can you do something about that?
10: Yes, indeed, you can. Uh, there is security measures that they've implemented, and I did uh, talk to them. But what PIMEyes is designed to do is protect yourself. The terms of service say you are only allowed to upload your own photo to ensure that there's nothing you don't want up. Um, and I wanted to know more about what kind of tool like this has existed before and what issues could arise from it. So I reached out to a law professor at the University of Washington, Ryan Kalo He's an expert on emerging technology and AI, co-founded the university's Tech Policy Lab, and he's reviewed data privacy complaints at the World Bank. So I figured if anyone around here should have insight, perhaps it's him. And in fact, he did.
3: It says when you use this service, you're really supposed to only be using your own stuff or stuff you have concept for. That said, there there is as far as I can tell, there's no technical check on one's ability to upload any photo. Hmm.
0: So if I if I want to, I can go to the site, I can check what somebody is up to.
10: On this might help if I unmute my mic. Yes. <laughs> on the surface level, he says it looks like you could use the site that way.
3: There is danger in it, right? The danger is that tools like this will allow you to come across a photo of somebody or even take a photo of someone and then find out a lot about them. Now, PIMI says that the purpose is for you to look up your own face and that they only give you links, not personal information. But you know, imagine that an individual is walking around minding their own business. Someone takes a photo of them and then is able to retrieve personal information because they are um, online.
0: Okay, so there's, so there's no way to know whether people are uploading their own images.
10: Not quite. Kayla, so, Kalo says he's concerned that because the tool could attract stalkers, but yeah. he says a feature on the site can be used to help victims of horrible things like stalking or revenge pornography.
3: I will give PMI some credit. They allow you to opt out. So if you know about the website, you can go upload your own face and they won't include you in the results.
10: And about your question, Dave, I spoke with the CEO, Gyogi Gobrenizi, for some clarification on that. And he says the tool is meant for self-searching and ensuring your own privacy, not surveilling. But there are certain cases where you can upload pictures of other people.
11: Either your photo or check a photo for a legitimate reason, because it's not always your photo. It's, for example, photo of a missing person as well. It's also a photo checked because you want to protect yourself from fraud or violence.
0: Okay. well, I mean, I can see that. But uh, how, how do you know what the motive is of the person uploading the photo?
10: An example he gave me. They're in contact with their users, one of the users, a parent trying to find out where their child has disappeared to. But it seems to be case dependent Uh with their team having to first suspend an account and then ask the user why they've uploaded a photo of someone else. The team ultimately having the final say uh, of whether that appeal is granted another example he gave me.
11: We have blocked an account and we got a message from the Person that was actually fun because he was claiming that he was actually stalking his ex, because she has stolen his iTunes account and Netflix password.
0: <laughs> okay, so he so he admits that he he was trying to get to somebody else, but there was a good reason for it. No, he's not saying
10: that that was a good reason. He oh. actually says that this user specifically, they did not uh, uh, oh, grant see. that appeal so to, that, reveal, to, I, to remove the block. I see. So if if
0: you say, yes, I'm stalking this person because they're misusing my Netflix account, that would not rise to the
10: level that would allow him to use the, the tool for that. That would not be considered a legitimate reason, according to Georgi.
4: It sounds what's important here is that he has actual humans checking on the requests that are going through.
10: Hmm. Yes. So I asked how they would catch them in the first place, right? Uh, Because that was one of my main questions. And the CEO tells me it's a 12-person company, right? So they wouldn't have time to check every search themselves. But he says he's also passionate about privacy. So how could they be peering into every search history without violating that person's privacy, he says. So they had to come up with a solution. And here's what he told me that
11: solution was. We could not check search history ourselves because that's on the one hand is just like direct interference into someone's privacy because the person is searching for something they do not want any living other human being to look into this. But we needed it somehow to be monitored. So we had to instruct it to AI. But AI needed to be trained and AI is not trained in a single day. AI needed to perform operations. And so that's what we did. So it's AI within AI at this moment.
10: <laughs> okay. And while while he tells us that there is this self-AI policing protocol, I have to say while I was looking into this, I, my friends, and some coworkers even here at Cairo News Radio gave each other permission to use each other's faces in searches and test it, and the searches went through. Yeah. We saw the results. So although Gobrin tells me our IPs should be flagged for now, Uh, I wasn't alerted to any block or suspension, Dave. Did you search your face? I did search my face. What did you find? I found my face is what I found, you know, uh, across the internet in y- URLs that I didn't ex- that I've never heard of. I found my face on websites I never heard of. Of course, it's it's not so surprising for us because we're members of the media, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. our job is very. But public you're on anyway.
0: radio; your face is not public.
10: Did you am, find
1: your old MySpace?
10: <laughs> I did not find my <laughs> oh, okay. MySpace, and that's a good point that you bring up, Mickey, because uh, Gobrynitsa tells me that when he took control of the company, one of the first things that he did was. ban scraping data of social media Uh because he doesn't believe that that is conducive to privacy. And if you are looking up your own photo, of course, you know what you've uploaded to your social media. Wow. Great story. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Dave.
0: Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News, the podcast. I'm Dave Ross.
4: And I'm Colleen O'Brien. You can find our podcast weekday mornings right at 930.
0: And if you subscribe, you'll never miss the Daily Dose of Kindness.